1: Central.com, it is Friday morning. This is Sex Talk with John T. Searle. I'm all alone in the studio this morning, and we might be talking to you tomorrow on Skype soon. So I would really appreciate your messages. 079-748-2090, as we are unscripted on radio. And of course, this morning, most definitely and decidedly uncensored, as we talk about sexual myths. But let us do this one first. Nature Six Chocolate Starfish. Twitter bag of
0: Today's dirty dictionary word is
1: After Nina. Dirty Dictionary Word. After Niner. So if you know what an After Niner is, message us on zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero, and tell us what you think an After Niner is. We all know someone who is an After Niner, so think carefully. And last week we were in Mozambique with the most amazing experience of seeing whales and whale calves about 20 meters from our boat out in the ocean. And it is so magical, that, and something that everybody should have the experience of. It's really, it touches something so deep inside of you when you see that um, and are so close to it. The energy of that is really, really beautiful. And I have to have a little rant about men's behavior in public toilets. I don't know, guys. Do you do this kind of stuff at home? Because it's not so easy. Peeing in a toilet and peeing in a, in a urinal is not so difficult. It really is not. So I'm just curious if you do that stuff at home or how do you behave in this way? It's become a real issue. Um did not anybody teach us how to behave in these things? It really just <laughs> kind of, it really gets me. Oh, I hear a little giggle there. <laughs> Are you there? Tomorrow?
0: I'm totally there. I'm here, Johnty. I'm listening Good. to you. Okay. I think it's a really big thing. And we were talking
1: just now about um, Greg recently flew through Ethiopia and the most disgusting toilets there. And it's not such a difficult thing. It really is not. It's (laughs) this incredibly simple thing. Like you hold it in your hand, you aim it, you pee, you do not mess on the floor, and then you wash your hands and you leave.
0: How difficult is that? Well, you're taking under consideration the fact that People are not paying attention because they think it's not theirs. And women are trying to squat and try not to touch the toilets. And for men, I think it's kind of like a basic thing of maybe not seeing each other's cocks. Yeah, but even then, it still doesn't matter. You just have to aim
1: carefully. That's all. It's like really, really simple. It really kind of gets to me. And the things that you find floating in toilets, I don't know, it's just beyond me.
0: I have nine hours to spend in Ethiopian Airlines, in Ethiopia's airport tomorrow. Thanks, Jonti.
1: Okay, well, take lots of wet wipes, <laughs> Strong thighs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Squats. And that'll there we be, go. that'll be Even really then, good. Even then, if you squat, you know what? People can aim. They just, they discuss themselves from the, the effects of being in, in, in toilets, in public toilets, mm. and they just. They, they, they make a mess, they make yeah. a big mess.
1: Yeah. You know, we went to a music festival a few weeks ago, and it was amazing because they had somebody in the bathrooms cleaning all the time. It was so easy to do that, and so yeah. easy for people to just be respectful of the space. It's mm-hmm. really it's my thing at the moment.:,
0: uh, I'm with you.
1: Mm. So yeah, you know there's a lot of toilets in in Africa that are like looking over the bush. At, at various yeah. lodges and camps and things. And in Mozambique, there's one that's outside. It's looking over the forest and you hear the sound of the ocean and it is just amazing.
0: to be toilet in ever.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So let's get our minds out of the toilets just for a change and for a little while. And if you want to stay in the toilet, you certainly can.
0: Oh no, definitely not.
1: And we are gonna talk about sexual myths. There are so many sexual myths that it's actually kind of quite overwhelming and we something definitely to come back to. So the thing is that we take on a lot of beliefs from family, from parents, from religion, from school, from so many different institutions that we never actually really question. And what a lot of these do is they really impact on our pleasure. They stop us exploring. They stop us going to places within ourselves, within a partner, that really allows us to expand our pleasure, to have more fun, to have more excitement, and to do the things that you would really like to do. Because the thing is that it comes up quite a lot with fantasies. That people think that they have a fantasy and they think that they are the only one who has this fantasy. It's totally unique. Here's the thing. We all have this incredibly wide range of sexual possibilities, of sexual thoughts.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the fantasies that we have are actually pretty common, which is a really cool thing because it connects us. True. So it doesn't mean you go and explore your fantasies with absolutely everybody. But when you understand that, you just start to understand that there's this commonality in this. And that that is really, really cool.
0: So that's why um, in fet life, you all of a sudden understand that even if you have a really not, let's say, normal, what's normal, yeah, but normal Mm. fantasy, then you understand there are millions like you.
1: Yeah, and you want to know what normal is. There is a fascinating doctor. He's a Canadian physician, Gabor Mate, M-A-T-E, has posted an incredible little video clip on what normal is and what normality is. And um, really interesting to go and, and watch that and read some of his work because then you start getting a really different perspective that normal is such a, a localized thing. It's It's such yeah. a that every community takes on in terms of of a belief of what is normal and anything outside of that is not exactly. and that's where so we,
0: was a, a community it's more like the politics or the religion or the you know the government's uh, favored at the time
1: hmm. So, it's a really fascinating one. And when it comes to myths, it's exactly the same thing. So, the biggest myth is the limitation on pleasure that you can have. Mm, Okay, that's a good one. That's the biggest myth, that your pleasure, your sexual experience is limited. So, I wrote an article a while ago that was based on the idea that we use about 10% of our brains. And that's kind of an accepted figure. Um, So I picked a figure that at best, at best, at a peak experience, most people have about 30% of the pleasure that they possibly can have.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And and the rest of it doesn't come close. So the biggest myth that you take on is the limitation of your own pleasure. And then another interesting myth are the sexual labels that we have. That we give ourselves.
0: Hmm. Okay. Like what?
1: Well, that you're straight, that you're gay, that you're bi, that you're this, that you're that, that you're. Okay.
0: You put yourself into a little box,
1: quite simply. And I read something a little while ago that, um, really, really tickled me and got me, got me chuckling. But it said, everybody is really straight until it starts to feel really good.
0: That is so good.
1: Yeah. So, so one of the myths that comes up from that is that there are more bisexual women than men. Now that's something that firstly, the porn industry has fostered amazingly. Yeah. And that society as a whole has really bought into the True. simple and the truth about it is that there are not that it's actually a pretty equal spread of people across the board who do not fit into a box of being totally straight and that at the moment
0: so cool and so so obvious when you think and about us but it's so taboo yeah so for
1: men to admit to that is is incredibly um Is incredibly limited and and taboo and frowned upon. And at the moment, there is a huge category of men having sex, of of straight, so called straight men having sex with other men, but they're not gay or bi.
0: They're not defying themselves or they're just, they are, they are really not.
1: They're too nervous to define themselves. Okay. So it's not that they are not defined, it's that they will not, they will admit and hold on to the idea of being straight, but occasionally having a sexual experience with a man.
0: Mm.
1: And that's a really, really interesting one. So
0: it, it, it is, but also don't forget that the idea of owning your own sexuality is a concept that leads you to usually opening opening your heart, uh, you know, having more, and that's something we do not want to do. We do not want to own what we are afraid of or do not want to belong to because of taboo. Mm. So you mentioned
1: fet life, which is in the world of, of kink or fetish behavior, yeah. often involving bondage and submission, domination, Um, so let's look at some myths around that, because there are plenty, and I have to tell you that movie of Fifty Shades did not do a whole lot in dispelling many of these
0: myths. (laughs) That's true.
1: It really did not. So the first myth about it is that it's a rare thing that very few people are involved in this, and it's an enormous thing. So a recent study in, in England found that Almost 40% of people in the UK have engaged in some form of bondage or blindfolding.
0: That is so cool. What a great study. Absolutely. And it's
1: actually, the figure is actually, if you go around the world, it's kind of a lot higher. Those are just the people in the survey and people who acknowledged and admitted to that.
0: Exactly. Or people that had the opportunity.
1: Yeah. The next thing that comes up about this is that it's something new, that bondage is this new kind of fad that's around. And you have Uh, to know, it's kind of been around as long as people. And if you go and you you read, especially you read a lot of older erotica, um, it's there and it's always been there because it's about people exploring themselves. And that's the bigger um, thing. It's not about, and this is one of the myths, that it's about pain, that it's about whips and chains. And a lot of it is not. It's about people exploring themselves, different roles, different aspects of themselves. Um, yeah,
0: not necessarily physicals as well.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it's not. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is very mental. It's very much in the mind. It's very much about emotions. Um, and that's the depth and, and, of it.
0: Yeah. And a whole power, a whole power uh, opportunity. Mm.
1: Yeah. So Oscar Wilde said something very interesting that applies to that. He said that everything in life is about sex except sex. Sex is about power.
0: Yeah, that's a really cool saying.
1: And that's where we tend to play things out. So it is nothing new and it's very much about people exploring themselves and exploring their pleasure And a lot of it is not about pain. A lot of it is about sensuality. Yeah. So, in truth, anybody can hurt anybody. Anybody can pick up a cane or a flogger or a paddle and hit someone hard enough to hurt them. Anybody can do that. But understanding the dynamics, understanding the power, understanding the subtlety, understanding the energy of that, that's where... The real power of that is
0: yeah and there's a variety there's a whole spectrum of of almost any sexual sensual um field and you can tap into what really what really suits you and as long as it's consensual as long as it's you know in communication there is so much to explore and to discover your own flavor yeah
1: and that's what it is so you try something wow that really opens the door for for amazing sensation, um, for experience, for exploration, and something else doesn't grab you as much. But we've put sex in this part of life, in this little box, that is totally separate to the rest of us. And we need to take it out and put it in the place that's the same as exploring new tastes of food, new styles of clothes, new books, new movies. That it's as much a a part of us as anything else. Mm. And that becomes incredibly important. When we do that, we're normalizing things. And we're saying everybody can explore. Everybody can have pleasure. Everybody can expand themselves. And making it okay to do that. Yeah. So, So... from that comes one of the biggest myths That as soon as you do something out of the ordinary You are perverse
0: mm-hmm. Yeah And you also, you're, you're also going to change forever Because now you've crossed the the the, the line Now there's no, no, no regret You can't go back
1: No, you can't go back There's a wonderful saying in, in, in the world of, of, of growth and consciousness That a mind that has been expanded Can never return to its original state and every experience, but
0: yeah, but it's there is about a, that there mind negative, expanding. Yeah, there is a negative um, uh, belief around it that if you are expanding, you're going to change and that's going to change your morals. You're going to be a person who doesn't believe maybe anymore in marriage or doesn't believe anymore in monogamy or you're going to be that wild animal ro- r- running around in the streets and doing crazy stuff. Yeah, and that's not it.
1: It's just a part of ourselves that we express and then you go back to doing everything else that you do but you're much more fulfilled because of that so a listener just sent a great quote about power with great power comes great responsibility said by superman
0: (laughs) hi superman (laughs) so that is do you feel janti that you have much more responsibility because of your
1: power. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yes, because what we do with it, you know, and I've learned because uh, when I started doing this work, there were no real teachers to, there, no real mentors. And I explored and I, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I broke a lot of boundaries and from that learned amazingly what it really is and what sacred space is and what you do as a healer and as a teacher and the space that you hold. And it's been a journey of incredible personal learning and and growth to be in that and to take and accept the responsibility of it. Um, you know, gladly.
0: when you – when you do work uh, around um, healing um the tim the the medicine man that is doing the sweat lodges that we participated he says you know you are a direct you are a direct channel to love and to you know to 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 source and we don't need a church you know and you are a person that John T., that you are you are Taking your own responsibility, you understand that nothing will help you. Not any method, not any theory will help you when a couple or a person or a woman, whatever, whoever, sitting in front of you in a the therapy room and asking, asking for, for your help. It's first of all your own, your own integrity your own sensibility, your own sense of, of, of just responsibility of this delicate process. And the same happens when you start research, you know, researching your own pathway. There's no, there's no path. There's only your own way.
1: Yeah. So what's interesting from that was it's a real digression, but it's important. And um, one of the reasons that I do what I do is incredible learning that comes from it. And I often learn yeah. more on any given talk or workshop than a lot of the people there. I'm being more open mm-hmm. to that. And at the retreat last week in, in Mozambique, I had the most amazing understanding that there is only one healing journey in the world. And that's the journey within us. Because, firstly, everything is within us. And secondly, mm-hmm. the only thing that I can heal or change is myself. So if I want to heal or change something in the world, I have to acknowledge that as being a part of me, that that is within me, and I can do something about that within myself. And as I heal, something in me changes. That creates the space for something in my partner, my family, my friends, the world around me to change. So you want to heal anything in the world, you want to change anything, you do it within yourself. And everything is within you. Everything exists within our world because of our consent for it. As soon as enough people say no to certain things, it stops existing. As soon as we stop putting our attention on it, it stops existing. So as soon as we do that, We take that right out of the equation. And you have to turn everything inwards. And more and more you see how much of your life is about you. Yes, things have been done to you. Yes, you have done things. But the healing is within you. That's where it all happens. Mm, Beautiful. And And in that, you claim yourself. You want to claim your power in the world. That's where you find it, is within yourself. And the more honest you are, the more open you are with yourself, the more you acknowledge the fullness, the truth of who you are, that's where you find your power. And that's where you change. So maybe that. that's, maybe
0: that's another sexual myth around if my partner will change, I will change. Yeah. A lot
1: of people do that as soon as it's a huge relationship myth. If he or she only did this or stopped doing that or were this or allowed that, then everything would be happy. That's crap because as soon as there's one thing, there's going to be another and there's going to be another. And all that you're doing with that is you're putting all of that onto somebody outside of yourself. So when it's an external, it's simply dependent on somebody's action or somebody's presence. And when they change the action or their presence changes in some way or they withdraw their presence, then everything around that changes. So when you put your happiness in that, when you put your pleasure in that, um, that's what you're doing and you're giving yourself away in that. In the same way of accepting, or, or so many people say that There's a belief that he or she is responsible for my pleasure. You are responsible for your own pleasure. Nobody can make you come unless you choose for that to happen. You're not going to go anywhere in any given sexual experience within yourself, within pleasure, unless you choose that. And that's where a lot of your power is. It's a really
0: cool uh, duality because you need to be very in tune with yourself, but in the same time when you're in tune with yourself, you're also open to receive because you know how much you can give, how much you can. It's it's kind of like an interesting pathway. Yeah. So
1: while we're on that, there's another beautiful idea in terms of, of receiving that we tend to think that receiving is a very passive experience. Yeah. So, if I'm receiving something, then something is just being done to me. If I'm having a massage, I'm just there and this is happening to me. Instead of turning that around and welcoming that touch in a very conscious way of taking that in, of really engaging with it in an incredibly conscious and present way, and that changes. Yeah, yeah, and that changes that dynamic that giving and receiving. Become this incredible conversation, this incredible um communication instead of yeah and also when, just being when I'm
0: enjoying passive. something and i'm re- and I'm welcoming it I'm celebrating it, there is such an open channel of gratitude and of joy that also the other person can see and can feel just feel what you're going through
1: yeah, and it comes um and it makes. Yeah, it makes for something really different. So let's go back to some of the some of the uh, BDSM myths, which says yes. that another one is that the dominant partner is the one in control, which is mm-hmm. con- which is really interesting in what people think is the case, but it's actually the sub who sets the limits.
0: True.
1: So if a sub is setting the limits for the experience, essentially. They're the ones who have created the space. They're the ones who are actually running the show.
0: Yeah, and they definitely have the the safe words, and they are absolutely a good yeah. master or yeah. a good dominant all the time, yeah. in in touch with how the sub is feeling yeah. and what is going. It's not a fixed game that he created, and one for all. Absolutely. Kind of experience. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And then another interesting one is that one partner in in this relationship is dominant or submissive. And a lot of people hmm. are, are called switchers where they'll go both ways to have both experiences. Um, and that, again, is just opens the door to different possibilities, different experiences. Another myth connected to this is that a person who is dominant or submissive in real life will prefer a similar role in a BDSM scenario or vice versa. No. And that's not the case because often that becomes the space to explore the opposite of who you are in life. It gives you you that you need
0: something very different. You you can be a very powerful businessman. But actually what mm. you really need in order to complete the emotional rainbow is to be, you know, humiliated or you need to go to a place of being submissive, mm. just as an example that I went through. Yeah,
1: And the fact that BD- BDSM is always about sex and always sexual, it's not. A lot of times there's no sexual contact in that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because the range of, of experiences and what people want from that is enormous. And sometimes sex does not fit into that at all. That's much more about expressing and experiencing the fullness of who you are in that space. That's not about genitals. That's not about orgasm in a way. Mm. Another myth about this is that often You need really expensive toys and equipment to have really good bondage play and experiences. If you look around your home carefully, you have almost everything that you need. And you can buy the most amazing toys. But a friend of mine had a cool saying that um, the best place to shop for bondage equipment was at Builders Warehouse. (laughs) And if you go into disc and if you go into pick and pay, and if you go into any store, you will find things that you can use. A little bit of creativity, and it becomes yeah. really, really interesting.
0: So, the only thing is to be safe. So don't try to do things with all kind of broken stuff. No,
1: no, no. Or, you gotta, you got to be really careful with what you use. Another interesting myth is that people who are involved in BDSM have… Psychological issues. The opposite is in fact true. That Mm. people who explore and experience and express those parts of themselves are much healthier than people who suppress it. And the same goes with any aspect of sexuality. As soon as you suppress it, it's like suppressing any part of yourself, as soon as you do that, you're creating a state of blockage, of imbalance within yourself. Yeah. So acknowledging that and expressing that is much healthier. And people who do that are generally more creative. They are much happier in their lives. They are less stressed, which means that they are healthier in every way. So that idea of of it being Only for perverts. You're all (laughs) perverts.
0: Say that again. You're
1: all perverts. So acknowledge it and enjoy it with a smile and take the word perversion out of it. Acknowledge the beautiful kinky being that you are and enjoy that. So somebody just sent me another little myth. Thank you, Charlie. Polyamorous people have more sex. They actually have more communication than more sex. So polyamorous is having a relationship with more than one emotional partner. Yeah. And it's based often more on emotion than on sex. And having polyamorous relationships is incredibly challenging and difficult. When you think of the level of communication that most people have in a one-on-one relationship and the incredible difficulty they have communicating and expressing themselves, imagine doubling that and it's not just double the issues and double the communication, it's expounded because the personalities are so different, they bring out different things in you, so it's a space of incredible emotional and mental challenge. Yeah. An incredible learning, um, if you, if you're in that space consciously. Yeah. So again, not an easy one at all for people. Sure that. Hmm. Then there's an interesting one that says, as you get older, you have less sex and you lose interest in sex. And there's a whole lot of myths that are connected to this. Things like when you get married, you will have less sex. When you have kids, you will have less sex. And those are really myths. What happens with those is you need to guard your pleasure and you need to guard your relationship in a way that makes sure that you don't. Because the only thing that stops you having less sex and pleasure is you.
0: Yeah.
1: So to say we that to, to say that we don't have time, that's absolute nonsense because... You make time for the things that are important. The truth is we don't really have time for anything. We make time for the things that we do. So you make time for work. You make time to go to gym or to yoga or to pottery or scrapbooking or whatever it is that you're doing. And we're not given the education that you make time for your relationship, that you make time for pleasure. And one of the things that I teach people in the beginning of, of a journey is that you actually book the time. You book appointments. Because the idea that we're waiting for this amazing spontaneous moment, you wait a long time for those moments. Mm. You know, you go and you buy some special lingerie and you're waiting for oh, the perfect moment to wear it or to put it on for, for, for him. Uh, or you bought this amazing toy for her. And no, 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 no. You make the time for that That's when these things happen They do not happen by themselves So It's
0: phenomenal that we're also recycling the same problem and same issue We replace girlfriends and husbands And we keep on thinking the problem is actually because the toy was right The partner was wrong
1: And turn that you know. back into yourself It's nothing to do with your partner It's nothing to do with your toy Somebody told me once that they read that, um, and I haven't really verified this, but it sounds, it has a real ring of truth um, on a survey that they read about. More second marriages fail than first marriages. Mm. Why? Because we don't learn, we don't change, we don't heal, we don't grow. We do the same things. So we change the partner and we think it's all going to be different. We're not different. So we're bringing the same thing into our relationship. If I struggled with somebody sexually or I struggled with something sexually, until I heal that or change that within myself, it doesn't matter who I'm with, the same thing is going to be there because that's about me, not about them. And that's a really big one. And as yep. you get older, you can actually have better sex. I'm having beyond the best sex of my life, beyond what even I thought possible. And that's a Fantastic. result of, of growth, of learning, of communicating, of being open of making the time to have that pleasure and everything that goes with it. And to say that some things as you age most certainly get better because we understand them more. We have more time. We understand the importance of these things. Mm. And that's a really big one. So... Oh, oh we've we got a question from somebody here that says, what can men do to last longer? Interesting question. So it's a little bit of a digression, but it's a really important one, and I think it'll be good to do like, in
0: so a, a much greater Maybe we show can talk about this. the myths that people think that what you should do to, yeah. to last longer. Yeah. And then so we firstly, can...
1: as exactly what you're saying there, tomorrow is how long should you be lasting? So if it's two or yeah. three minutes, then you definitely have an issue. If it's 30 seconds, then you definitely have a problem. Essentially, how long should you be lasting is to fulfill yourself and your partner. Which means that in different experiences, that's going to be different. So sometimes a quickie is absolutely awesome and amazing. And when you get into more conscious and tantric sexual experiences, you want two or three hours of possibility so how long you should be lasting is about learning to control your sexuality and that's something that we do a lot of work with men teaching them that and actually I have an online program that's going to be ready soon teaching men how to control and be in charge of their sexual energy in simplicity three words stop stop Breathe, relax. relax. Stop, breathe, relax. As soon as you do that, everything slows down. Your sexual energy can start to move through your body. So, look at it like this. For most of us, sex is a very contractive experience. So think about what happens as you get close to orgasm. All your muscles get tight, your breathing gets quick. (gasps) Then you have this big explosion. And you scream or shout if you're the quiet type. You just go, "Ooh, that was nice. And that's all that you do. The contraction brings orgasm on. If you can get out of that state of contraction, immediately you have much greater control. So how do you do that? Firstly, stop moving. Secondly, breathe as deeply as you can. The deeper you breathe, the more you relax. So you relax all your muscles particularly your pelvic floor muscles. The more you relax, the deeper you breathe. The deeper you breathe, the more you relax. Then, sex is also an energy experience. All of this energy builds up in your pelvis and it has to go somewhere. Breath moves energy. So the deeper that you breathe and the more you're relaxed, the more that you can actually move that energy through your body. And then imagine and visualize that sexual energy that's built up in your genitals, that as you're breathing, that's moving up your body. Maybe it's moving up your spine or moving up through the middle of your body. Maybe it's moving down your legs. And when you do that, you're allowing that sexual energy, all of that tension that's built up, to move away from there to relax. And then you can start moving and you can build it up again. And you can build it up again. And the more you do that, the more you'll learn how to do that and the greater control you will develop. So one of the most amazing techniques to help you do this is expanded orgasm. So if you want to learn that, go to our website www.eroslife.co.za and buy an expanded orgasm video and it will teach you how to do that. And while we are on, change your
0: life forever.:
1: And while we are on that topic, I have to tell you, we've put up a whole lot of new videos on our YouTube channel: Well done. And one of them is a talk on exceptional sex.: Cool.: And that'll be it really gives you an interesting perspective on what it means to have exceptional sex. So go and check that one out. Awesome. And while we are on that, we have to talk about what a massage coming up on Tuesday night. It's the first one since winter. Wow. So details are up on the website. Um, a beautiful experience. Men and women, singles and couples welcome all orientations. Um, and it'll be beautiful to share that one with you. Beautiful. Okay. Back to the myths.
0: Back to the lasting lasting a long time. First of all, it's, as you said, it's the limitation. It's important to know and to, to – I feel that many experiences I had and people I chatted to, they actually, once they get to that spin of not breathing and stopping and relaxing, it's almost like they give up. They just give up. They they think it's, it's unstoppable and also they don't see the importance many times. So I'm already there. Why should I stop it? I'm, I got there. You know, it's almost the fear of, of losing it. And if not, it's a little bit of also sometimes or many times being selfish. That's how I see it.
1: Um, explain a little bit more.
0: So I'm just thinking, you know, you said what is to last longer. And many times men have great intentions, and maybe it's a bit of the frustrated side in me, and maybe it's really, you know, just chatting to a lot of men and women. And just the reality of they want and they wish and they want to please the woman, but once they are on that orgasm path. Once they're on that spiral and they don't stop, breathe and relax, all of a sudden it's, all, it's like they're they're losing the, the goal. They're losing the, the, the belief or the, the wanting to actually stop because it's already there. So it's very hard to stop. It's almost like it's like escalating and escalating. There's like, okay, never mind, next time. There's something about it once you're in that orgasmic wa- um, uh, wave and it's going to be, you know, shattered on the, on the beach. They do not want to go and hop to the other wave. They already, once they're in that point, they do not want to go. They do not want to continue.
1: So part of the learning of this is to firstly get out of the goal of orgasm because that becomes a trap. And once you do that, you start freeing yourself for the most amazing sexual and pleasure experiences. And then understanding that everything that we do comes out of a pattern So your body gets into a pattern sexually and as you're repeating that, you get deeper and deeper into the pattern. That's where healing becomes so important in allowing that to change. And then you free yourself from that cycle and you're able to have much greater pleasure and much greater pleasure for your partner.
0: But it's a true story. It is. You are actually having more pleasure once you you know, give up that paradigm that, you know, pattern is there to stay. Yeah.
1: So another big myth around this. So just there's a whole lot of stuff coming up, which is really, really cool from people. Does size matter? So the most honest answer is no, but there are exceptions because some cocks are actually just really, really small. Um, But as a generalization, size does not matter what you with it counts a whole lot more and learning yeah. to use and there's a whole, we do a whole workshop called The Art of Fucking because there's no other words for it. We won't call it anything else because that's what it is. There's a real yeah. art to penetrative sex and learning that and learning different rhythms, different movements for a guy, different body positions, how to use your pelvic floor muscles, then it Almost doesn't matter how big you are, you can give your partner the most incredible, awesome and deep pleasure. So, a myth. And a lot of that comes from porn because you will never see a really average. What is an average size cock, by the way? Any idea what that is? Tamar, any idea?
0: Well, um, in centimeters, I would say... 12 centimeters, 13 centimeters. Yeah, so
1: between like 12 and 15 is considered average. Yeah. And that's what most men are. But you will almost never in porn see something like that. So that's just about this whole myth that we've bought into about all of these things.
0: Yeah, but this is something about also the the limitation of women. Also allowing and explaining how they feel, because if men that have average size cocks or even small cocks would actually understand that they're, they they are capable, or it is very pleasurable, or it's, it's just a wonderful experience, then you know through that communication there will be a lot yeah. of growth.
1: So I read something interesting this week that um, Pamela Madsen, we've interviewed her on the show before, wrote. Yeah, and it was about. What a well-fucked woman actually means What being a well-fucked woman means And what she wrote was really beautiful It was about being A man being present During sex During lovemaking That his body, his heart, his mind He is there with her He is in the pleasure And a lot of people want to come and learn things That are about sexual technique I want to learn this, I want to learn, and it's all about sexual technique. I want to learn expanded orgasm. I want to be an amazing lover. You want to be an amazing lover, be present. Be there in the fullness of who you are. Be open, be vulnerable, share the fullness of yourself. Be out of your mind, be in your heart. That's how you become an amazing lover. All of the technique is commentary on that. And that's
0: all right. it just bends the hearts.
1: And that's what it is. And more and more, when the heart is the entry point, everything changes. So you want to change the way you have sex, make the heart the entry point more than your genitals.
0: that's a big sexual myth.
1: Yeah, well, when it's only about your genitals, then it's only about arousal. So the thing with that is there are times where arousal is not there. There are times when your partner and your arousal are not in sync with each other. So does that mean nothing can happen then? When the heart becomes the entry point, arousal always follows from that and then it follows a natural expression it's not forced and it allows so many different sexual and pleasure expressions to come up and in that hmm. is enormous and incredible power
0: <sighs>
1: another big myth is about aphrodisiacs <laughs> And the picture that I chose for this show was two of my favorite foods, which are oysters and chocolate. And the question is, do they actually work? So yes and no. And all that they do chemically is a lot of foods just make you feel better. They make you feel happier. So if they make you feel better and feel happier, sex is a natural expression and extension of that.
0: That is so cool what you just
1: said. It's not the fact that they're going to turn you on directly. They're going to make you feel better and happier, and sex becomes a natural expression of that. So different foods are going to do that for different people. And the more that you do that, the more you eat the things that you really enjoy, and you eat them with consciousness that you're really loving... The taste you're really loving, the sensation of the food, um, the smell of the food in your mouth. The more you do that, the more you are going to enjoy your food. The more sensual you will feel, the more turned on you'll feel.
0: And that's another thing regarding sensuality: to engage with your sensuality is many more. The sex starts in the mind. Sex starts in that. State of mind of, well, of being here. In, yeah?
1: See, I take issue with that, and I'll say sex starts in the heart.
0: Okay, I agree. I understand why you're saying that, but you have to allow it.
1: Yeah? Oh, the mind is a definite part of it. There's no question. But for me, the more that you're getting into the heart, the more you're getting out of the mind, the more you're getting into the sexual actually, possibilities.
0: What, you, what you're saying is that the heart is also the fuel. It's an everlasting, it's an ever-flowing fountain. ever float. It, it comes naturally. It comes, there is infinite, uh, you know, heart energy that is flowing from you. And yeah. it's not dependent on mood. It's not dependent on a thought, on fantasy, or, you know, on idea. You have to, idea. And
1: you have to learn about your heart. You have to establish a relationship with your heart. You have to learn what your heart wants. How do you heal the hurts of your heart to be more present in that? And there's an idea that I've been developing and sharing with some people I've been working with lately. Um, it's kind of the beginnings of this idea. But it's had huge impact on somebody. So I've made a choice in my life to love in the deepest way that I can. And a lot of that is changing the things that I have done, the patterns that I have lived with. And then everything that comes up that separates me from that, the question around that becomes to heal that to love more. So when there's ego coming, when there is insecurity coming, when there is anger coming, when there is confusion coming, when there is frustration coming, to ask the question, how do I heal this to love more? And in life, we have all these incredible goals. We have work goals, we have body goals, um, all of these amazing things that we put our attention into. How much attention and energy do we put into having... A relationship of loving, of learning of what love is, of being with someone and sharing with someone on that really deep level. We might go to a relationship workshop or two. We might come to a tantric workshop or two, a sex workshop or two, come to a retreat. But that's what we do. Think about the other aspects of life. We're learning continuously. We're engaging with so much information and learning about all these different aspects of ourselves. Where do we do that with life? Mm -hmm. So think about as one of your intentions of your life is to have a relationship that touches every part of you, that Mm -hmm. takes you to the depths within yourself, within somebody else. And ultimately, that's how you learn to be a lover of life, a lover of people. This is the transformational power of conscious sexuality. So, after that, I don't think I'm going to say anything else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Other than I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow.
0: Thank you, Janti. I'm actually lying here in the King David Hotel, mm-hmm. which is a very from hotel. Um, lying um, in a very—I will send you a photo that you understand. how is that amazing? Listening to you while watching the ancient city and being uh, partly naked—and um, <laughs> I must be honest—it was one of the, most, the best hours of my life. Thank you.
1: Thank you, <laughs> and I wish you all so much pleasure.
0: This is CliffCentral.com.